Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that the production value is worse than normal. <clears throat> I am recovering from a cold and have some congestion, and I do sound slightly snuffled up. Additionally, my house is filled with teenagers right now, and so I am recording this in my bedroom. So there's a, a little bit of uh, scuffling here and there as I adjust uh, on the bed. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail. I am your host, John Eskelson, and I'm grateful you've taken the time to listen to this podcast today. For those who want to see pictures from these adventures, please check us out on Instagram. You can find me at Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail at uh, section underscore hiking underscore the underscore AT and on Twitter at Eskelson John which is E-S-K-E-L-S-E-N-J-O-N. If you have any comments or questions you'd like to share, please share your thoughts with me as well. I look forward to hearing them. Now on with the show. I was thinking about how to frame the hike we took through Maryland in May of 2021. As I reviewed my pictures, which you can see if you go to Section Hiking, the AT Instagram, I was reminded of a picture found on the cover of Bill Bryson's book, that allegedly is about hiking the Appalachian Trail, a walk in the woods. One of the several covers of the book is a broad trail lined by trees with green leaves. The most popular cover has the bear's head on the cover with the Kelly green leaves covering the trail with a bunch of trees. Most of the trail of Maryland is pretty broad, <clears throat> like a thoroughfare. And given that it was mid-bay when we took the hike, the leaves were out and the color of the trail was a really bright green. It was really pretty. But there weren't any bears around, at least as far as we could see. As an aside, I did enjoy Bryson's book. I found it to be more of a meditation about his fear of bears and his views on the state of America, which he's pretty down on, albeit in a very cleverly worded way. Anyway, <clears throat> at that time, I hit the trail with three of my friends, Alex, Martin, and Ryan. We spent three days starting at the Pennsylvania-Maryland border at Penmark County Park, and then head south across the 42-ish miles of the state. Here's an overview of what happened. We started at noon on Thursday and hiked from Penmar County Park to the board, on the border, 10 miles to the Coel Shelter. On Friday, we hiked 16 miles from Coel to Rocky Run Shelter and spent the night there. Finally, on Saturday, we hiked the remaining 16 miles to Harper's Ferry. The overall elevation posture in Maryland is pretty flat, with three short, distinct climbs when heading southbound. For those heading northbound, the biggest challenge will be the initial climb up Weaverton Cliffs upon leaving the CNO Canal just north of Harper's Ferry. Of course, for any thru-hiker heading northbound at this point of the hike, Waverton Cliffs isn't that hard and the rest of it's pretty easy. The trail in Maryland is both pretty remote, or at least it feels that way, but it really isn't. You're never more than a mile or two from broader civilization, and you're able to buy whatever you need and to replenish along the trail. I'll also add that there's a four-state challenge that we saw several folks trying to accomplish across the three days we were on the trail. To do the four-day challenge, a hiker has to start in Virginia, usually on the border with West Virginia, 
walks through the four miles of West Virginia and hikes all of Maryland into Pennsylvania in a 24 hour period. Basically they did what we did normally in what we did in three plus days in just one. To do this hike, we gathered up and parked the car at Harper's Ferry's visitor center. For those of you who have never been to Harper's Ferry, it is a really small hilly town with very limited parking plenty of charm, and a lot of people from the region who like to come play outside, either out downtown or tour Civil War battlefields. I've been part of all three categories from time to time. If you have a National Parks Pass, parking is free. If you are a vet like me, you can get a Parks Pass for free. Other five, Otherwise, it is $85 annually, which is well worth it. If you do not have a pass, the cost is $20 per vehicle, except for the four days a year when entry into the national parks is free. Alex came down and picked Ryan, Martin, and I up from Harper's Ferry, and we started back where we left off the summer of 2020 in Penmar County Park, which is at 1,250 feet elevation. Penmar is, as the name suggests, right at the border of Pennsylvania, Maryland, and was our starting point, which is mile marker 1066.7, going northbound from Springer Mountain. The park remained fairly quiet, although there were a lot more backpackers here in May than we saw when the first time we came through in 2020. Apparently, back in the day, Penmar was an amusement park. The weather when we started hiking uh, was warm and sunny and in the 70s it was quite perfect hiking weather i'm guessing that by the time you listen to this podcast episode the maryland parks department will have decided that the various amenities associated with penmark can be uh, available to all hikers uh, during the normal course of operations normally when the park is open uh, it has all sorts of amenities vending machines water restrooms a first aid site Camping isn't permitted, and for those with dogs, they have to be leashed and the poop packed out. But this happens normally between May and October of every year. When we started the trail, it's pretty flat. And then just before you hit the second mile, you come across a rock field and hike up to High Rock at 1,700 feet in elevation. It's clear that while on the trail that this is not a remote location because of the vandalism that you see at the top of High Rock. Perhaps it should be considered art. I don't know. At 2.8 miles in, the fence to High Rock crosses the AT, leading to a gated parking lot that is closed from dusk to 8 a.m. High Rock is known as a rock with a view. At that point, the trail generally flattens out again. Several miles further at nearing four mile, the four, four mile mark. There is a sign that indicates you're only a mile from Raven Rock and another 4.9 miles to the Coal Shelter, which is where we were staying the night. At mile marker 1062.1 from, uh, from Springer Mountain, the, we came across Raven Rock Shelter. It's a really new two-story shelter that sleeps 16 people with a composting privy and bear cables. Water is within 200 feet on the opposite side of the AT from the shelter. 
It's like all the shelters we encountered on the trail in Maryland. Very nice and well kept. When one of my hiking partners, Stephen, did this portion of the trail in October of 2022, he noted Raven Rock Shelter was so clean that you could eat off the floor of it. On our hike, we continued rather than stopping. A half mile later at mile five, we stopped at Raven Rock Hollow, which enabled us to take a break and check out the view of the other low-lying hills in Maryland and the valleys we were hiking past. After some rest and some snacks, we continued down to Raven Rock Road at mile marker 1061.1. We kept hiking and across from Warner Warner Gap Road, we hit Little Antietam Creek, which wasn't so little. It has a small bridge built across it and is fast and sizable. After filling up with water, we gained a little elevation going from 1075 feet in elevation to 1350. Um, eventually you come up to an old rock fence before everything levels out. And then there's a spring that you come across at mile marker 1059, uh, along a power line at just past another couple, two more miles, sorry, another half mile further at just past, uh, mile 1058. You hit a green space before crossing Foxville Road, after which there is a meadow. From Foxville Road, you can catch a ride or walk the 1.7 miles into Smithsburg, where there is a grocery store, restaurants, and other services. At mile marker 1057, you arrive at the Coel Shelter, which is about 9.5 to 10 miles of hiking for that day. Here I'd note, that one of the rules in Maryland is that you have to camp at an established campground or shelter site. This is true of several of the states along the AT, most notably New York. I was concerned a little about giving, I was concerned about this a little, given the relative freedom to camp wherever you want in states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. The Coel shelter area was pretty large though. The shelter sleeps eight, has a nice privy. There are five tent pads, hammock sites, and a bear pole. Water can be found in a spring south of the shelter, about two-tenths of a mile along the Appalachian Trail. The water was pretty slow going in May, though. We enjoyed the campsite and slept well. Met several through hikers doing the four-state challenge. They are tired but happy they only had about ten miles left to go. The next morning, we got up and started hiking again at 8 a.m. One reason to stop at Coel Shelter was that Gaia GPS indicates that there was one or of the two substantial climbs on the trip just past this area. So we started with a brief climb about three-quarter of a mile at, beginning, at the beginning of the day. There was a bit of a rock scramble after 2.2 miles, but otherwise it was not a hard day. The next noted area was crossing of Wolfville Road at Maryland 17. For those needing supplies, this is another place where you can get off the trail and find your way to groceries, medical pharmacy, and two banks near a shopping center nearby. Further west is Smithsburg, Maryland, with additional services. Across Wolfville Road, the next camping site is the Pogo Memorial Campsite and mile marker 
Camping is immediately east of the trail with two nearby springs, one on the AT, the other 30 yards on a blue-blazoned Thurston Griggs Trail to the west. AWOL's guide notes that if the water source is dry, you may get water from the ranger's house on a gravel road to the left. It's about two-tenths of a mile south um, along the road. At mile marker 1050, another mile and a half beyond where you're at, is Annapolis Rock. It's a campsite with 13 tent sites and two privies, but it also has Annapolis Rock Overlook, which provides a really pretty view of the valley to the west of the hilltop you're on. During our stop here, there was a fairly in-depth discussion on the best ways of disposing TP. Fortunately, it's been so long, I can't remember the details. And why is Annapolis Rock so named? No one definitively knows, especially since the state capital of Annapolis is about 90 miles to the east of the rock. The most likely suspect is an expedition that took place in 1755 that came near Annapolis Rock, but again, that's merely conjecture. After eating lunch on our second day and taking a nice long rest, we moved on. At mile marker 1049, we made it to Pine Knob Shelter, which was built in 1939 and sleeps five. It's got a privy and water is piped in on the north side of the shelter. The spring was pretty good. Had we restructured our trip, we could have stayed there. There were some nice uh, camping sites. And then, you know, just to kind of show how much camping there is available in Maryland, uh, just before you get to the footbridge that takes you over I-70, about mile marker 1046, you come to a side trail that will take you, take you to the Greenbrier State Park. The park is open from April to October and has all the amenities a dirty hiker could want. A visitor center, a restroom with showers, concession stands, you can paddleboard or swim in the lake. The key thing is that normally there's a requirement for two nights stay. If you're an AT hiker, you can do a single overnight if there's enough space. We kept going though. <clears throat> Having only three days to complete this trip, we moved on to the Washington Mountain State Park, which is a Maryland State Park built around the first monument to George Washington at mile marker 1045. It's pretty small, especially when compared to the monument in Washington, D.C., but is nonetheless extraordinarily impressive, especially when one considers that it was built by a small town of Marylanders in 1827 to the first president. I really love this park. You can look out over the countryside. There are picnic shelters, restrooms, and an air-conditioned museum. We sat in the grass and ate snacks and refilled all of our water bottles. What is funny is that we came upon two women who had been hiking together, and we had passed them and they us and back and forth <clears throat> from time to time the entire day. You see people like this on the trail all the time, and we didn't think much of it. But when we got to this monument, one was sulking in a shady spot, while the other was on the phone lamenting to someone else that her partner was uninter uninterested in continuing the tyke, but she was. Apparently they had been fighting. Ah, people on the trail continue to be people, I guess. Turner's Gap which is at US 40, is hilarious. It's one of my favorite junctions in all of the AT so far. This is mile marker 1043.5.
There is a restaurant there called the Old South Mountain Inn on the south side of the road. Apparently, it's one of the oldest taverns or public houses on the Appalachian Trail. It is close enough to the Dahlgren campground that you can get a shower and get all cleaned up and then eat in a really nice restaurant. I can see that being an appealing option for some. In the parking lot, there's also a listing for many of the other local restaurants, including some menus that are kept in a way to protect the information from getting rained on. You call the restaurant from the sign, and the restaurant will come and bring the food to you. Pretty neat, I guess. Dahlgren is a backpacking campground that looks lovely when you get there. It's at mile marker 1043-ish, not so far from the inn. It has a bathhouse bathhouse with hot showers and flush toilets and electrical outlets from April to October. The site is gravel with tent sites, fire rings, bear poles, hammock sites, and a utility sink. There's also a frost-free faucet there. Gotta say that three times fast. Approximately 100 yards up the gravel road toward the end. We were a little tempted to stop there, but didn't. We probably should have taken showers. We thought we needed to continue onwards. Stephen, on the other hand, when he did the hike, stopped and showered before moving on. He said the showers were great, and it was a great feeling to be clean again. The only downside we've heard is that since it is so close to a main road, it's easy for car campers to go and camp there, and sometimes they're kind of loud. Reno Monument at Fort Knob is next on the list at mile marker 1042. This is the spot where Union Major General Jesse Lee Reno and Confederate General Samuel Garland Jr. were wounded mortally in the Battle of South Mountain, which preceded the bloody battles of the, at uh, the Battle of Antietam, just a few miles to the west of the trail. Incidentally, east of this location, two miles, is the South Mountain Creamery on Boulevard Road, which carries some really great ice cream and fresh all-natural dairy products. Highly recommended. At mile marker 1041.4, you reach the turnoff for the Rocky Run Shelter. There's a new shelter that was recently rebuilt, similar to Raven's Rock and Sleep 16. There's a composting privy at the new shelter, in a pit privy by the old one. There are tent and hammock sites on both sides of this large camping area. We went past the new shelter area with its tent sites and went to where the older shelter was by the old privy. There is a big open space there. We set up camp and hung out with a couple who live in Ocean City, Maryland, and had tried to section hike the trip earlier, only to find out that they weren't ready, that they had too much weight. At which point, they went out and bought a bunch of really cool lightweight gear and figured out how to pack for a trip like this one. We talked into the night and had a great time and slept well. The next morning on day three was our last. When you look at the overall trajectory of the elevation of this hike, it's generally downhill, albeit slightly from here. But first we had to go up again. First <clears throat> two miles were going up from an elevation of 968 feet to 1733 feet to Lamb's Knoll and then down to White Rock Cliff at mile marker 1039. It's pretty there, especially as the sun is rising up over the valley. Just past 
that area, there's a trail to Bear Springs Cabin, which is locked. But there is a spring for water if you need it. At mile marker 1036.4, we came to the Compton Gap Shelter for rest. It is smaller and sleeps six. Uh, there's intermittent spring that's there sometimes, but sometimes goes dry. Uh, we were able to get water there, though, in May. Just past the shelter, you reach the Gathland State Park, which has a 50-foot memorial to Civil War correspondence. It's a nice big field with a church nearby featuring the Dahlgren Cannon. More pertinent to hikers along the AT, though, there is a frost-free faucet near the restrooms. There's a bunch of camping nearby, but just not at the park itself. This is where I picked up the trail in October for a quick overnighter and joined up with Stephen as he hiked the trail in Maryland. You go up a brief hill through the park and then continue flat on towards Ed Garvey's shelter, which is another lovely place to camp at mile marker 1032. There's ample space in the shelter itself and a bunch of formal and informal camping spots. When we came in, in May of 2021, we met a lot of people who had started northbound on their Appalachian Trail hike out of Harper's Ferry, looking to do a flip-flop, which means you head north to Maine, and then turn around and head south out of Harper's Ferry. That actually seems like a good plan. Anyway, there's this one kid we came across, and he really was a kid. He was a finance guy in his late 20s who had quit his job and spent his first night on the trail. Literally everything he owned was brand new and was pretty. I coveted nearly all of it, but it was noon when we got there and he was just getting up and eating breakfast after hiking six miles from Harper's Ferry the day before. We wished him well, looked longingly at his pretty new gear, and slowly moved on after refilling our water and eating our lunch. I'll pass along one other story that I think is actually a cautionary tale as well. As we left the Ed Garvey shelter, we were moving along the there were a number of people on the trail, and as we were walking, a large dog with its own pack came up and started barking at us. Its owner was an older woman who was not in the best of shape. I wouldn't usually comment on something like this because, you know, we've all had different phases of our lives, uh, and anyone who's on the trail doing their best should be commended. But in this instance, she was yelling at us from 50 yards back, struggling to catch up with her dog while said dog was standing relatively close to us and growling. The woman was telling us to be careful and that he was somewhat aggressive and didn't like men. Ugh. Look, it's cool if you want to bring a dog on the trail. It really is. But if you're going to do that, you need to ensure that you have control of the animal. Like if the dog is aggressive, you need to keep it under control. And if you're not in sufficiently good shape to do that, then you shouldn't bring the dog. I've always wondered what happened to her and how far they got and whether the dog made it on the trail. So we got past the angry dog and its owner and kept going on the next portion of the trail, Weaverton Cliffs, which is a lovely view of the Potomac River and the state of Virginia on the other side. This is at mile marker 1030. After a good look of the view, we hiked down the cliffside to the CNO Canal for a very flat and very long three-mile hike into Harper's Ferry. When I caught up with Stephen this past October for the second time, 
It felt much easier to do and didn't feel so long. Lots of bikers the second time around, though. We ended up at the Potomac River footbridge, crossed with a sea of people. It was a busy day in Harper's Ferry both times I went to visit there with a pack. The first time we grabbed a burger before we went back to our car. It was actually still very COVID-y times and people were a little bit tense still. But fortunately we had Ryan there who played the ukulele and borrowed a woman's ukulele and he and Martin sang songs uh, to the crowd before we got into the bus. Uh, that actually really did make things better. The second time, we grabbed a shuttle back to where my car was at Gathlin State Park and drove to my place to eat. Both times were great, and I very much loved hiking the state of Maryland. Lots of interesting people and places to see. An easy hike if you're thinking about starting out on the trail, but not sure if it's for you. Maryland is a great place to start with a very low risk. Next episode, we'll talk about our hike through Northern Virginia, the roller coaster, and my greatest failures. If you want, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcast, and let me know what you think, and tell people about this podcast. I'd love to hear from you and however you want to reach out. Thank you, and have a great hike.